Welcome to today's episode of The Business Behind Your Business. I'm your host, Nicola Brunton. Join me as we look at, dissect, and pull apart the joys of being a small business owner. Hi everybody and welcome to today's podcast. In episode 5 we're going to be uh, looking at burnout and also too we are very lucky uh, and very privileged to have a a lovely guest speaker with us today. Pauline Guthrie will be joining us today to talk about uh, burnout. Now Pauline Guthrie is a first and foremost a very good friend who I was blessed to have worked with for nearly six years now Uh, and we worked together originally as a not-for-profit organisation where she was a training coordinator. Now Pauline has been a a counsellor for 15 plus years and prior to that she was a teacher. So uh, Pauline comes to us with a Masters in Counselling, a BA, an MA and other wonderful qualifications. We're just going to look and delve into the reasons behind uh, burnout. But first to start with Pauline, thank you so much for your time today as I know how super busy you are. Can you just give us a little bit of an intro uh, into how you first came and what the road was to becoming a counsellor? Well thank you very much Nick for that wonderful introduction. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Well I was a counsellor before I became a counsellor in in the sense that I've been teaching in high schools for approximately 40 years and as a teacher you get to understand the stresses upon the staff, upon the students and upon the parent body you work with. So of course it's of interest to me to discover how people reach their limit and what happens when they go beyond their limit. So at the end of my teaching career I became head of welfare in a private school and I became a career advisor without having specific credentials for that job. I nevertheless became very interested in advising students uh, on the path that they might take in their life trajectories. So I became a counsellor because I studied through a Master's of Counselling and I became accredited as a counsellor and in my retirement morphed into a job that I call rewirement because I don't really, really believe in retirement. (laughs) So it was a joy to me to begin a little practice called See You Changing, which has become Regenerate Counselling and I therefore took up counselling as a solo practitioner. Brilliant. Okay, so we really do have an expert on our hands. Just to start with, what is burnout? Um, in its in its core from mm. what you've experienced. Yes. Well, burnout technically is the end point, the end point of a continuum that starts with some anxiety and moves through prolonged stress and ends up in burnout. So it's the result of persistent stress within a person's life as he or she interacts within their environment, which of course could be their work environment, their family environment or their community environment and involvement. So it is the end point of a continuum, yes. And it means that you come to the end of your energy levels in facing the demands of the day. Okay, so for someone that may be think they may be experiencing burnout or um, leading down that path, how how do you recognise 
the signs of burnout? Well, commonly um, it is characterised, first of all, by sheer exhaustion, overwhelming fatigue linked to work activity. There were days, for example, in my later career when I thought, can I walk up these steps and face this class one more time? There were days when I myself felt that I'd come to the end of my energy levels in facing the demands of a teaching week, for example. But when that happens on a continuing basis and when that exhaustion is always with you, that's certainly the first marker of burnout, overwhelming fatigue linked to your work activities. So it seems to be, like from my pleb-like status and understanding it, would you say that it's more about the consistency of that exhaustion? Like it's consistently there? Yes, right. you just don't feel that you ever get on top of it, that you're ever ahead of the game. And uh, aligned with that and accompanying that is an emotional state that I would call depersonalization, where you're still working, you're still moving through your paces, but you no longer get any joy from the job. You've removed any emotional content from that work so that you keep doing what you have to do, you keep calm, you carry on, but you don't feel anything. So your emotions are numbed, and we call that depersonalization. Okay. Yes. So, so sorry, lastly... Or thirdly, and yeah. it's not necessarily lastly, <laughs> but thirdly, um, you also feel um, personally inadequate in the way you function at work. You feel that your accomplishments are diminished, you no longer have pride in the job, you wish you weren't doing it, and you feel actually that you're not making the grade, you're personally inadequate. Mm. Right, okay. So with our special friend COVID um, hanging around at the moment, do you think COVID has affected how people deal or perceive what burnout is? Do you think people are kind of using burnout as a bit of a, well, for want of a better term, an opt-out in regards to what's happening with COVID? Because there's been a lot of papers and now studies done around the fact that people are struggling with the dealing with COVID in regards to the isolation or whether it's the lockdowns Mm. or, you know, particularly that introverted people um, think it's the best thing since sliced bread, but obviously Mm. the extroverted people are really struggling with that. Do you think burnout has sort of just been like rise to the top of the pile uh, and being used probably in the wrong context in regards to how people are feeling about COVID? I think it becomes a complex mix of subtle feelings that mm. you sometimes can't unravel. For example, the lack of certainty, the uncertainty about what's going to happen can make you very lethargic about getting out of bed and facing the day. And that leads to a fogginess, a brain fogginess, that lethargy is, sometimes leads to you're not in control of the situation and that lack of control can add to your sense of personal inadequacy and can add to your calling that state of mind and being burnout. So whatever you label it as, it's certainly a very, very real feeling. And COVID has added to that in subtle and very complex ways, but very palpable ways that people react to in in, in different ways. Okay. Yeah. But fogginess and lethargy and despondency 
are certainly characteristics of a COVID response. So this one is a bit of a, a, a curly one, and I understand that there's a lot of crossovers, but what are the sort of the, the key or the differences between burnout and depression or anxiety? You know, it's like someone can suffer from anxiety. Are they do they sort of naturally lead on from each other, or are they sort of there's just a lot of crossovers? Well, anxiety certainly is a combination of a personality trait and how that personality trait reacts to stress and the physical and mental and behavioural manifestations of that reaction to the stresses that are real or unreal. So anxiety can occur when you, as perhaps an achiever, feel that you haven't got the potential in a certain circumstance to achieve or to reach your goals because of the limitations placed on you by COVID or by the family or by the boss or by the circumstances at work. And that low-level anxiety you might push down on a daily basis because you have to cope but when you push it down and push through to keep on working you create that anxiety in your bodily systems in your autonomic nervous system and it stays there with increased cortisol moving through your spinal column to every part of your body that leads to um, further depression or burnout or whatever else comes after. It depends sometimes on your physiology as well. What about depression? So you think is, is is burnout something that is sort of diagnosed per se from a doctor or is it just something that's sort of recognised? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it can be diagnosed and certainly those maladaptive stress responses or stress responses to stress that lead to anxiety or depression certainly can be diagnosed by a doctor and doctors may prescribe different medications to help you through that indeed but prolonged anxiety can lead to things that are very very physiological such as headaches or sleep disturbances or memory loss or lack of concentration and sometimes therefore to dependency on things like caffeine or alcohol or procrastination because you just simply want to avoid the working scene. Yes, so there is of course um, again a continuum and it is hard to define or determine that with this very, very strict definition. But an anxious state is, is often represented by physiological behaviours like um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, um, asthma or um, other physiological things. Headaches in particular are are a result of continuing anxiety, yes. Wow, okay. Um, (laughs) I think I have a little bit of anxiety just doing this. (laughs) Let's look at some easy ways that um so maybe some at-home strategies that our listeners might be able to utilize or use or maybe access for themselves if they think they may be sort of going through or moving through or starting to see the signs of burnout so Mm. and if you have got any resources Pauline we can also add these into uh, as a link um, to anybody that's interested into into our introduction so Mm -hmm. yeah we can find some information and add those in for our listeners as well but maybe just some easy at-home strategies strategies that you know just we could try just to see how that goes yes well I I, thank you very much that's a that's a very good question and one would have to start with the fact that a body needs rest the first stage in dealing with such a thing is complete rest 
if one can't get out of bed to go to work and you, all of those associated mental and emotional um, markers are accompanying that, it's important to take for the body to be at complete rest and the body does need to do that. So how you do that, of course, is it depends on your situation and you might not be able to particularly take a, a long rest that you need, but you need to sleep. And so you have to address the physical states first of all, and that would include your diet and your sleep routine. Now, energy levels that are totally depleted occur because the mitochondria in each cell cannot produce enough energy to give you um, motivation to do your daily work because the mitochondria are producing energy to just simply survive and they're, deter they're directing all their influence and all their working capacity towards um, coping with stress. So they're hyper, you know, hyper aroused. They're not giving you the energy you need to do your work. So, so you, basically they've been focused in the wrong area. They've been focused right. in the wrong okay. area and you need to rest to give them time to recalibrate and go back to ground level and recalibrate so that you can reorganize your schedule. But the next thing of course is is proper nutrition. In if you're anxious sometimes your gut biome will Obviously, your gut biome is also affected by okay. stress and yep. cortisol and doesn't take the proper nutrition from whatever food you give it. So you have to make sure that you eat every, uh, little bits every day. It is a fallacy to think that, oh, you've got to take things out and detox because you don't need to detox when you're burnt out. You actually need energy from your food. And so you need the correct uh, balance between... Um, vegetables and minerals and fruit and carbohydrates and the proper fats etc and that is very important then you do that with a a naturopath or with a doctor or with a friend okay or with, yep. <laughs> by yourself so another thing you can do is become aware of where stress and where burnout affects your body and make sure that somehow or other you give that aspect of your physiology particular attention. So if you have muscle tension in certain areas, well, you need a massage or you need to go to the physio. Yep. Yep. Um, and you need to relieve the tension in the parts of your body where it is residing. So, um, so burnout can kind of maybe tend to manifest in a way that's quite, you know, while it comes from exhaustion and having that level of exhaustion, yes. it may sort of like um, turn up as a headache or a sore, whatever, or um, stress that you're holding in your body. Yes. Is that, do I understand that correctly? Absolutely, yep. because your body keeps a score of that stress, mm. especially if it is unrelieved. Continuing unrelieved stress causes disease and everybody is unique and everybody reacts to that continuum of stress levels differently. And so you do have to acknowledge that that is occurring. See if you can recognize it's a, the effect of continued stress on your body and do take positive steps to relieve that, to listen to your body and listen to other people who view your body and can see how it's affecting you and doing something about it. Right. The second thing you need to do is to have a 
think about how you're feeling and reacting to all this. So your emotional reaction to your situation is very, very important and you need maybe to seek some professional help uh, to uh, unpack that, to discuss that, to at least acknowledge that and see if there are underlying unconscious stressors which are being tapped into by the, the daily stress that you're finding in your situation in the present. Oftentimes that taps into other stressors that have not been resolved that lie deep down into your past. And so going to someone who has professional expertise in this, a physiotherapist, a psychotherapist or a, um, a counsellor mm -hmm. or a psychologist, these people can help you track your emotional response to what brought you to that burnout state. Also do things that are very helpful, in, such as accepting what you cannot change. Go, you know, accepting the That's things. That's easier that said than done, Pauline. <laughs> We're all guilty of, of being uh, a little bit of a hard taskmaster, I think. But yeah, I think the key mm. there is just recognizing that there, there needs to be some wiggle room in regards to accepting what we can't change. Yeah, absolutely, and working with what we, and working with what we can change, and making a positive decision a decision to choose to be happy or to choose to make a positive choice for health and and that that is a switch that sometimes you can't make by yourself on your own but is totally doable because a mindset and attitude is something that you can take and look at under a microscope and say, well, I choose now to change that mindset. I am not going to be a victim of this forever and ever. I am choosing to help myself in whatever way I can. And of course, sleep is very, very important uh, to the whole process. We all need six to eight hours mm, of sleep yeah. a night, <laughs> and that's key. And that associated with energizing through our diet. These two things are basic to recovery sleep or rest and nutrition of all sorts as I've mentioned before including minerals vitamins oils that improve your brain function that's very helpful okay beautiful well, and did I mention exercise <laughs> no that's probably the one thing I'm guilty of is no not enough exercise in my life so how why would exercise be beneficial for burnout how do those two sort of come together well, of course, you uh, must always do that gently and do that knowing the limitations of the situation you're in. But exercise always increases the blood flow to the brain in particular and can re restart the joy centre in the limbic centre of your brain and reignite some hope simply by sending all kinds of good endorphins through your whole system that just simply make you feel good because you've moved and you've moved in ways that are enjoyable, often much more enjoyable if you're doing it with someone else in social situations because we're social human beings and we heal in relationship. And so doing exercise with other people is very beneficial and it doesn't have to be too much too soon it can be a gentle process that increases blood flow for a start and just uh, gives you all the right hormonal inputs so as far as in the workplace how does that impact on the workplace and how burnout kind of gets in intertwined with that any thoughts in that area yes uh, 
Uh, well, at work, people can suffer from a number of factors that can lead to too much stress that ultimately, after a long time of unresolved stress, can lead to burnout. And, and these factors w would include, for example, too much paperwork, too much paperwork that the boss asks them to do within a certain amount of time so that there's a time demand, there are too many demands and not enough time to complete the work. So people find themselves multitasking and multitasking is never any good for one's brain. Our brains are meant to concentrate on one thing at a time and in many workspaces there are so many demands that are simultaneous that it, it creates confusion, it creates anxiety because you can't attend to any one thing. And uh, there's always communication or relational problems at work that sometimes are overlooked and not resolved in terms of how people communicate with one another, what how expectations are communicated by the boss to the staff, or how problems are communicated by the staff to the boss. So communication is an important skill and sometimes emotional intelligence is not always evident in that sphere at work. And um, as well as that, if people work very hard but don't receive any acknowledgement for the work and there's never an, uh, a, a word of praise or a word of acknowledgement that says, good job, well done, people so feel naturally anxious. A, a lot of these things that you're mentioning are very sort of bog standard no-nos that a lot of workplaces or business owners experience. So um, is it these sort of hidden gems of negativity are the building blocks of burnout? Yes, yes, very much so, because wow. we have a perception of our work then and we feel anxious about not being good enough or never being able to be good enough to meet the standards expected. So I think from a boss's perspective, he or she must be very um, aware of this and, and make sure that there is enough positive feedback, immediate reward and a monitoring of progress. That's good work practice as far as building rapport and building confidence in the workplace. Mm. Brilliant. There's some brilliant options there for everybody to sort of look into. Yes. Um, well, I think the buzzword these days, a buzzword these days, is mindfulness and oh, meditation. Yes. Yep. And that, of course, can help recenter your entire system and take some of the inflammation out of your cells that are reacting to startle or stress and are indicating, therefore, a state of tension and anxiety. But when you take time out to learn how to breathe deeply and control your breathing and manage to exhale very exhale very slowly, for example, mm. that helps to calm down your whole um, sympathetic nervous system and give you a space in which to recalibrate each cell of your body. From that place, you can make decisions that are not governed by stressful responses of fight or flight or freeze or fawn, for example, which can be the result of um, our reactions to stressors in our life. So meditation, mindfulness practices such uh, or yoga, all of these can be very, very helpful too. And your spirituality is important too, whatever yep, that is. Yep. Um, however you practice that or understand that, 
It is very important to align mind and body and spirit in uh, the one direction so that there is no dissonance. And that is a process and you can do that, of course, by yourself or with others, whatever um, your choice might be along those lines. Okay, so... Brilliant. Um, lots of information there to digest and uh, a little bit scary at the same time because I'm hearing a lot of things and kind of think, wow, there's a few red flags there. What is... So burnout, in my mind, is seems to be a little bit of a, a starting point, like the first stepping stone in a lot of things that could become more serious. So if, if you choose to, or you might just kind of think, oh, well, I'm just tired, I'll just keep trucking, la, la, la. Will, or do you think burnout naturally sort of morphs into something more serious if you ignore it? Well, it can indeed do, absolutely. Okay. Yes, because right. um, it can lead to chronic fatigue, for example, where you shut down and you simply can't function terribly effectively at all. And chronic fatigue is something that's very hard to define, but your body says no, and it kind of shuts down in in certain areas and so it's it's really quite crucial to recognize or not ignore mm-hmm. burnout uh in, in whatever level where whatever level you may be at it's kind of quite critical to address things maybe on the, in the earlier periods of mm. whatever may be happening in your life rather than letting it turn into something that could be a lot more difficult to fix or remedy or even worse if it sort of manifests into something really more physical mm. okay yes absolutely I uh, it's far better to intervene and to try and build resilience into your personality into your um, approach to life how do you accept things that are tragic how do you you manage things that are beyond your control but that have proven very important times of life where you need resilience in those situations where Mm. you face either immediate trauma from an an adverse advent event or you might feel that you have been traumatized in uh, the past and that trauma can also that trauma can also predispose you to burnout that leads to disease in in any form depending on the physiology that you've been gifted with Um, so it is important to intervene and it is important to know that things can change and to know that you have the power to choose um, for your body to choose for your health to choose for a new way of tackling the things that you have to face Okay, mm. so I think for anybody listening, that I think the key takeaway, and as I would see it, is really don't be a bit of a prisoner to yourself and think that burnout is not something it's unimportant because mm. it is very important and it can naturally mm. sort of be a stepping stone or lead to things that may be uh, harder to fix or resolve in the future. So, mm. so anybody that's sort of um, possibly thinking again that they may have burnout or signs of burnout or whatever. Uh, you know, and they've tried a few things at home and they may mm. not have been ultimately very successful. They feel like they may not be kind of gaining any ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a qualified uh, counsellor and what would be, would it, would it, would you be seeking out a counsellor or a, um, a GP first of all? Or what would be sort of the natural stepping stone if you were going to seek professional help? Would it be mm. your GP or do you think it would be better to reach out to, you know, 
a friend at first instance and then kind of move forward from there or well if for example you were you were experiencing insomnia or you were experiencing some physical um, responses to burnout you would immediately see a GP you right. would perhaps choose to start with seeing your GP and uh, your GP might some suggestions regarding the need to get some help for anxiety, for example, because the GP might say, well, underlying this, there could be anxiety. But first of all, you have to rule out that there's nothing physiological causing right. the, the adverse results that you're seeing in your body. So if you have a headache, for example, you want to make sure that there's nothing Nothing more sinister going yes. on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm. beautiful. And do you believe, like from a professional uh, counselling perspective, do you believe that GPs are open to the concept of burnout or do you think they feel it's something that's maybe not, I wouldn't say woo-woo or real or anything like that, but sometimes um, I have had feedback from people that believe that GPs are not really well educated in regards to what burnout may represent and how it can sort of lead to other things. Do you believe that's the case in your medical, in your in your training and counselling over the years or do you believe that GPs do really have an open eyes when it comes to this sort of thing? Well I think that's very, that's a good question but the answer has to be very variable because of course some GPs are very on point with that yeah. and others are tending more to the, the medical pills and potions yes yep. okay yes. Uh, but I do think that they're very very aware of the mental health issues that are attendant upon COVID and result from COVID situations mm. so everyone's much more aware now of the need for help help in professional help in dealing with a mental health dilemma that's especially among young people and People in in um, the West of Australia, for example, people in the West who are suffering from all kinds of forms of depression and anxiety and and even suicidal ideation because of extra stress. So GPs are very aware of that uh, issue at the moment. Beautiful. Mm. Okay, well, I think I've taken enough of your time and it's been amazing to talk to you today about this very important topic. So thank you again, Pauline, for your time. I know how um, inordinately busy you are as a private counsellor and a very active social life, which just tires me out just hearing about what you do. So guys, thank you so much today for listening and thank you, Pauline, for your time. Uh, we're going to mm. sign off. Thanks very much, everybody. As normal, stay awesome.